0: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Southfield and welcome to Easter 2023. What an amazing day. Amazing day to be able to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. Part of the brilliance, I think, of the season of Lent is that while it's supposed to be a 40-day stretch, it's really about 46 because they say Sunday is never a day of sadness. Sunday is always a day that we come and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. I mean, I I I am always amazed by the whiplash of emotion in this particular week. Just last week we're celebrating a king arriving into a city by Friday, he's hanging on a cross dead. On Saturday, his followers are just distraught. They don't know what they're going to do next. And Sunday morning, they get a little surprised. They shouldn't have been surprised. They were told again and again, this is what's going to happen. And I wonder how many times we're in the exact same spot. We have been told by God again and again the way something's going to work. And then when it does, we go, oh, I didn't know that. I I was so surprised. So today we get to lean into the surprising reality that there was a person who loved you enough to die for your sins so you can have eternal life. And we're going to celebrate that in song, so I'm encouraging you now to stand and let's sing to the Lord our God. Once again,
1: we are so honored and glad that you chose to join us here at Southfield this morning, this Easter morning. And man, what an incredible song to start with, just that, that message of Jesus's Victory over death, his, his resurrection, and the life that he gives to us and that we get to celebrate here this morning. We're going to read about that in Matthew chapter 28. At the, the very end of Jesus' life, we know from, uh, from Good Friday, he spends his final, his final breath dying on the cross. And that death was not a death like we suffer. It's not a, a physical death that, that is forever. Instead, we find that early on Sunday morning— a pair of marys find that jesus is no longer in the tomb he is he's defeated death he's conquered it unlike anyone else so let's read about that in matthew chapter 28 early on sunday morning as the new day was dawning mary magdalene and the other mary went out to visit the tomb suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the lord came down from heaven rolled aside the stone and sat on it his face shone like lightning His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, "'Don't be afraid,' he said. "'I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified, but he isn't here. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. "'Come, see where his body was lying.' Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy as they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. They ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Again, the, the story of Jesus is just an incredible, incredible story that means it's not just a, a good thing to hear. But it means so much for us, and it means so much for, for our eternity. And the, the souls that we've been given by God, the breath that he has breathed into us, will not die, will not go away, even when we have passed away. Because we go on, if we have entered into that relationship with Jesus, it goes on to live forever with him. And it's all because of what happened that on this day, the day that we celebrate, Easter Sunday. So if you would, go ahead and bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for sending your son, your only son, to walk on earth with a bunch of people who turn their backs on you, a bunch of people who cursed you, people who don't believe you're real, people who don't want anything to do with you. God, you sent your son to save those same people that want to walk away from you, that want to push you away, that want to see no one rely on you and depend on you. And your your love for us is so deep. It's so strong that you sent that son anyway to die after living a perfect life, to die a death on a cross. That the worst criminals would face, that the worst criminals would be made an example of. And and God, you didn't let the story end there on the cross. You are a God of promises made and a God of promises kept. Because the story didn't end on Good Friday. Instead, we see Jesus' resurrection, your only Son's resurrection on Sunday, fulfilling the promises you made all through the Old Testament. The promise of a Savior that would come and rescue us from the grave, that would rescue us from our sin. A promise that wasn't just for those who got to see Jesus in person, no. A promise for us as well. Why? Because you are the same God now as you were then and always have been. We thank you for being a God of promises made and promises kept. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. Amen. Would you all stand as we sing?
2: The quiet silence of a heart that believes itself defeated by loss, by pain, by fear. our hope nailed to a cross, our own faith depleted, at the sight of no movement, a body inert. But it is not the end. At the sound of the gravestone rolling, a new story has unfolded. Death has been defeated. Our hope is alive. Jesus is alive. We raise our hands in victory. By his resurrection, we are set free. He blows a wind of life and brings us back to the light. He is risen. Our Messiah is alive. He breathes and the darkness trembles. He speaks and our future shines. By his sacrifice, we are now saved. By his grace, we can all rise. Here, rejoicing in the sky, The grave could not hold him, the veil has been torn, our Christ has won over death, over sin, over ache, by his power all chains break, he is victorious, he is the way, he is the resurrection and the life, and by his wounds, we're made alive.
0: When's the last time you felt moved? I mean, I mean deeply, deeply, almost, almost gut punch moved. I, for a lot of us, I think we just, we go through life and, and nothing ever really hits us as amazing, mind-blowing, intense. We just kind of wander through the day. And then something will come along and boom, once again, we have that, we have that feeling inside of being deeply moved. You might think I'm going to talk about the Grand Canyon. Uh, we were just there a couple weeks ago, and, and there are so many sites, that I'm telling you, if I had a dollar for every time I said, wow, I could buy a lot of candy. I mean, I, I, I was blown away again and again and again by the sights. I was, I was deeply moved. But it was actually not that experience on my vacation that, that moved me the most deeply. I was moved by something actually quite tragic. Something horrible. My my son Nathan, who lives in Abilene, Texas, got the call to go in for jury duty. And I don't know how you are about jury, jury duty. I, I hear one of two reactions. One is, oh man, this is gonna be cool. I'm gonna learn so much. I'm looking forward to being engaged in the process. And the vast majority of Americans say, oh ugh. My, my life is gonna be messed for several weeks. I had to go, uh, everything's gonna be upside down. I really don't want to do this. I've had to do jury duty twice. Now, I'm going to be honest, for me, I just look at it as a piece of what it means to be able to live in the freest country in the world, to be able to have the chance of, of joining with other people and, and hearing somebody either uh, de- be declared innocent or guilty in that moment. That's, that's part of why we're there. That's, it's important. And so talking Nate through that process and you know trying to get him geared up for what's about to come. And what I found was that his jury selection process was, was very different than anything I had been a part of to, to that point. I thought maybe it's different because it's Texas, but in reality it was different because of the gravity of the case. It was, it was a high-profile case. And while he wasn't chosen for that particular jury, uh, we learned within a few days of the conviction of the man who committed the crime. You see, there was this family driving back from spring break mom dad three kids in the back of the silverado headed back to abilene from a great time away and they were almost to the abilene airport when a car came speeding up beside them and i mean speeding 125 miles an hour speeding you're allowed to go 75 on that highway and to be honest most people Uh, Settle in at a comfortable 90. So you're zipping around there, and this guy just comes zooming on by. And as he does, he decides to cut over, and when he cuts over, he clips the Silverado, and the Silverado goes off the road and smashes into a tree, and instantly, Dad is gone. He's gone. Little girl's thrown from the truck. To this day, she's not where she was. And then the story starts to unfold. The story of a man who was a sex offender, story of a man who uh, had had multiple DUIs, including one just four days before in his hometown. He decided he wanted to come see his sister, and so he drove the 200 miles from Cameron to Abilene and decided to take some pills on the way just to head on out. He was pretty unaware of everything that happened. He thought he was coming from his sisters, not going to his sisters. He thought he was driving 45, not 130. Tragic, horrible, horrible situation. The guy who lost his life was was part of Big Brother's Big Sisters in Abilene, a known person in the community. And now this woman is without a husband. These children are without a father. And a man has now been convicted of a crime for which he will spend the rest of his life in prison. Here's what moved me. I got a copy of the story off the Abilene paper, and they were talking about the sentencing phase. Everything was done in less than five days. And in the sentencing phase, witnesses... And people that have been impacted by the crime get the chance to come up and make what's called an impact statement. And a lot of times people use the impact statement for two reasons. One, to convince the judge or the jury to give the harshest possible sentence. But a lot of times it's also a chance to look the criminal in the face and say, do you know how much you messed up my life? I hope you burn I hope you burn. And a lot of people use that moment as an opportunity to express one more time the intense rage they have. I was reading this to Kim, and I got to admit, couldn't make it through three words without this, so it might be a long morning. (laughs) In an impact statement read in court, Jennifer Rogers, Mark Rogers' wife, said the family... Had forgiven Wells. Here's what she says Mr. Wells, my family was forever changed on March 13th. I lost my husband and my children lost their father. We have experienced deep grief that I would not wish upon anyone. We have healed and we continue to heal. We wake up every day and remember Mark. He was funny, he was God fearing. And he fought for the rights of others. He lived in the moment. She said, some days are harder than others. But there is something that was not hard for me and my kids. It was not hard to forgive you. We forgave you a long time ago. She said, forgiveness began when hope prayed the daughter. Hope prayed the same prayer nightly when she was able to do that again. This is a little girl thrown from the truck who had difficulty walking, difficulty speaking, and here's what she would pray. Dear God, thank you for my mom. Thank you for Halen. Thank you for Hunter, and thank you for my friends. And dear God, be with James well and his family. He's had some hard times, but he needed to be treated fairly. And dear God, tell Daddy I love him. The district attorney said in 40-plus years of being in a court, he had very, very rarely heard such an unequivocal expression of forgiveness There wasn't forgiveness and just straight forgiveness. It's rattled me. Because I got to tell you if Kim, Brian, Riley, Shelly, Nate, Emmett got killed that way. I don't know that I could stand in a court and say, I forgave you a long time ago. I'd be struggling. And I've been struggling through the whole concept of forgiveness because you see forgiveness, forgiveness is at the heart of Easter. Forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. There are two stories that interweave in the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. One is the story of Judas, and the other is the story of Peter. And you see the stories unfold in in Matthew chapter 26 and Matthew chapter 27. Judas, we we know about Judas, we know that he betrayed Jesus, but I don't think we know that at least at the beginning there was some sincerity in Judas. Judas was, um, he was, (laughs) they call him these days, a political extremist. He wanted change, and he was willing to do anything to see change happen. He was sick of Roman tyranny. He wanted it thrown off, and he would do anything to see it happen. And then this guy comes along, and he starts doing miracles, and and he just seems like everybody's saying, Messiah, 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 and he hitches his wagon to Jesus. He's like, we are going to finally get the change we've been looking for. But then Jesus starts preaching things like love and forgiveness and, and all these things that Judas is saying, what is wrong with you? To the point that he says, enough. I'm at least going to get mine. And he gets 30 pieces of silver to put a kiss on the cheek of Jesus and say, here's my master, take him away. Peter, on the other hand, Peter's interesting. Because Peter is that vocal disciple that we're hearing from all the time. And at the Last Supper, when Jesus says ahead of time, one of you is going to betray me, Peter says, not me. All these other guys might turn their back on, I, I love the way he just throws 11 under the bus, boom. And he's willing to walk over the top of him and say, it would never, ever happen to me. I will be with you to the end. I will die with you. And Jesus says, "Ha ha, ha. three times you will say, I don't know you. And Peter's like, no way, got the wrong man. You're talking about John. It's not me, not me, <laughs> not me. He, he seems like he's got a promising start going, right? They get to the garden, Judas plants the kiss on Jesus, and Peter pulls out his sword. You can see him now. <laughs> Boom, chops off an ear. Ugh. Not the soldier you want to take into a war. But anyway, he seems like he's being brave, and Jesus says, stop it, that's not what this is about. And we know that he sits in a courtyard, and while you sit in the courtyard and the trial's going on, three different occasions he's given the opportunity to say, I'm with Jesus, and instead, I don't know him, never knew him, don't know what you're talking about, forget it. And then the rooster crows, him, and one of the gospels says ever so poignantly, Jesus was walking across the courtyard, and right at that moment, their eyes met, and it says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. Judas Judas decides he's going to try to make his sin right, He goes back to the temple. He says, undo what we've done. I was wrong. He literally says, I have sinned. I sinned. And the priests say, so what? We got what we want. And he took the the silver and he threw it across the floor. (laughs) These religious leaders know they can't just put it back in the offering plate. It's blood money. So they use it to buy a graveyard instead for paupers and foreigners. Judas then goes to a cliff where there's a tree, puts a noose around his neck, and hangs himself. Peter goes out and weeps bitterly. When you know forgiveness is available to you, how do you respond? Whether it's the forgiveness of God of heaven who's saying, I am willing to forgive you if you'll just ask. Or if someone extends that to you, I forgive you. What do you do with it? Find generally there are two basic reactions when forgiveness is extended, when it's available. One is the reaction of pride, to be honest. It's the reaction that says, what I did wasn't that big a deal. I mean, James Wells right up to the end is basically saying, Yeah, I know he died, but it really wasn't my fault. We can have a reaction of pride that says, it wasn't that big a deal. You shouldn't have been hurt in the first place. It's the pride that we see present in the story of the tax collector and the sinner, where the tax collector is standing in the temple, head held high, giving God the list of things he's done well, and the poor tax collector, this sinner, is bowed low and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For some of us, we have a hard time accepting the, the, the forgiveness that's offered to us by God because we're just too proud to even realize we've done anything wrong. And then I think the other extreme is just shame. Shame that says, I could never be forgiven. could never be I think that's part of what's going on with Judas, right? I've done something so heinous, I could never be forgiven and I suspect that when it comes to the forgiveness that God is offering to you and me you're in one of those two extremes you're either saying what's the big deal or you're saying the deal's just too big it can't be undone you know when when that wife offered forgiveness to James Wells um, it cost her, right? I mean, there, there's a price to be paid there. There's a price to be paid there. But when, when God offers to forgive our sins, a huge price was paid, the price of His Son. You see, here's the thing. When, when God offers to forgive us, it's not like we just get a little get-out-of-jail-free get card. It wasn't free. It cost Him the life of His Son, and, and when when God says your sins are forgiven, it's not as if they're just. It's not as if He just goes, eh, I'm just going to erase that from the book like it never happened. There was a price paid for the sin that we committed, and the price is the life, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so when when I come to receive the forgiveness of God, when I ask for that forgiveness. It's not as if God's just saying, it was no big deal. God's saying it was a huge deal. God's saying you're absolutely right. You don't deserve it. I'm choosing to give you something you don't deserve. That's grace. Unmerited favor. Giving us what we don't deserve. Because God paid the price that we should have to. You see, when we live in shame, we're trying to pay the price for the sin on our own. We are trying to pay the price. And God's saying, why pay for something that I already paid for through the death of my son? Amazing words from the cross. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Now, for a lot of us, we have a tough time with forgiveness because we think the person knows exactly what they did, (laughs) They know exactly what they did. They deserve to be punished. And here's Jesus saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I, I think they have a pretty good idea what they're doing. They know they're beating Him. They know they're crucifying. They know they're yelling at Him. But they don't understand the eternal consequence of what they're doing. That this is a sin against a holy and righteous God. It reminds me of the words of, of David in Psalm 51, 4. When he says these words in this beautiful psalm of confession, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, if you know the sin he committed, you know he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He sinned against Bathsheba. You know that he arranged for the death of her husband. He, he had Uriah murdered. And you might look at that verse and say, wait a second. You sinned against a bunch of people, but see, David got it the way we don't. Because sin ultimately isn't just about the consequences of what's happened to the people around us. Our sin impacts God. Our sin hurts the heart of God. Our sin breaks the heart of God. And it's because that sin is against God that he's the only one that has the right to say, I forgive you. And so on this Easter, I ask you this simple question why aren't you asking God to forgive you? Why not? Why not ask God to forgive you so that you can have a relationship with him through your son? Why not ask God to forgive you for the the sin that you keep committing again and again or for that one-time offense that you're like, I just can't let go of this? Why are you not asking him to forgive you? Because here's the thing. He's offering it it's like a gift at christmas he's offering it we hear the wages of sin is death but the gift of god the free gift of god one of the translations says the free gift of god is given to us our salvation through jesus christ would you go ahead and stand up with me and as you stand i want you to take a look at the image on the screen Imagine yourself at the foot of the cross. And Jesus is hanging on that cross. If the image doesn't help you, you might even close your eyes. Ask him, why did you do this for me? Imagine yourself at the mouth of the open grave. You're not here, Jesus. Something happened. You're not dead anymore. You're alive again. Why? These two things we have to put ourselves in the past And wonder what it's like. But with your eyes continue to be shut, there's an image I want you to think about in the future. And that's the image when we stand before Jesus face to face. He's offered you forgiveness again and again and again. His hands are opening, open. Offering you forgiveness. And he's either going to look at you and say, I'm so glad, I'm so glad you asked to be forgiven. Or he's going to have to say, depart from me. Because for whatever reason, we didn't ask him. Today would be a good day to ask him. You have to say these exact words, but let me help you. And you don't have to say them out loud. God hears your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize that my life is full of wrongdoing. Oh, I'm not the worst I could be. I could be a lot worse, I promise. But I'm not perfect. And anything short of perfect is not good enough. You died, Jesus. You rose again, Jesus. To forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I want to be a friend of God. And I can't without your forgiveness. Forgive me. It's the repentant heart of the tax collector that's able to bow to his knees and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the heart to which Jesus will say, come on and enter into the joy of my heaven. I hope today was the day that you finally gave in you finally gave up you left behind your pride you left behind your shame and you said jesus have a seat just for a minute so many people today did such a great job uh, preparing the day for you, everything from Jennifer getting the coffee going first thing this morning, people at the Welcome Center, people taking care of kids today, people at the door, this gang up here, and I just got to say thank you again to Claudia for helping to get this message out today. I <laughs> appreciate so much the work you've done for us. That's amazing. Uh, we have a couple of things going on. I've, spring is finally here. Yes. The weather feels right, yeah. which means what? Which means
1: Green Lake is right around the corner, Yes, uh, yes. which is super exciting. Uh, for those of you who are like first time, you're like, why is the lake green? Uh, <laughs> no, we actually, I'm going to go on a mini rant super yeah. quick. Um, so we, we go on a work trip and we call it a work trip every, every June uh, up to Wisconsin. And that's because spring starts June 1st in Wisconsin. They don't see the sun until then. And so we go, up to a, we, we go up to a conference center in Wisconsin that has over uh, 900 acres, and they run mostly on volunteers. Uh, most of the, the work that they're, they're doing, they're either volunteers or lowly paid employees because it's a huge place that serves the mission. And what is the mission? The mission is spreading the gospel. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have asked me throughout the years, why don't we try going to... Uh, to another country and spreading the word, spreading the gospel. Uh, I think there's, a, there's an awesome place for that and a lot of people have been called to that. We've supported missionaries throughout our, our time as a church going to Africa, going to you know, South America, going to all these places, uh, going to Asia to to spread the gospel. And the cool thing that we get to do through the Green Lake Conference Center in Wisconsin is serve the people from around the world here. Because the the thing about the world is that there are still places that are very hostile to the, to the message of Jesus, and we 're seeing our own country turn and shift to this hostility towards God, but the, the Green Lake Christian Conference Center serves as an opportunity for people from around the country and around the world to come hear the gospel message, to be supported, to work with each other, um, to learn strategies and how, how can we spread that word? Beyond? How can we take it to the world? Which is a really cool thing because you're looking at places like Afghanistan where the Taliban's taking back over and they're, they're going backwards. They've restricted the right for women to, to get secondary and post secondary education in the one year that they've had control. So we're going to start seeing this push of God out of the world again. And the conference center gives us a, a great place to be able to support people who are able to travel here and use the freedom that we have here in America. To, to be able to hear the, that gospel and spread it. So we take our kids, our junior hires and our high schoolers up to Green Lake And we basically do anything that they need. If they need weeds to be pulled, we pull weeds. If they need buckthorn to be cut, we cut buckthorn. If they need walls to be painted, carpet ripped out, whatever they need, we do it. We've done electrical work. We've done electrical work. We've done, uh, uh, there's roofing projects. There's all kinds of things that we've done. It's not just little minuscule, you know, tiny little, oh, here's a sixth, you know, sixth grade. Cut out this piece of paper. No, um, it's really, really meaningful work. Um, And so we are still accepting registrations for that. So if you are entering sixth grade in the fall, or you're leaving for college in the fall, anywhere in between that sixth to 12th slash 13th grade, then you are eligible to come with us. And we are still looking for all kinds of support too. Two weeks ago when I spoke, we had some families that were just unbelievably generous in taking care of the, the kids that I mentioned that morning. Uh, but we're still looking for, for some donations to help not only pay for kids' scholarships so that they can go and do work, literally do work, um, excuse me, do work f- at the conference center, but also um, to support what we what we need. So we are buying all our food up there. We're um, trying to subsidize all the, the housing and, and make everything as cheap as possible for, for our parents who especially are sending, some of them, sending three, now f- up to four kids mm-hmm. on the trip. So mm-hmm. if... If that is something you're able to do and something that you would like to, to support us in, you can uh, give, but don't give through the, the general fund. If you give online, you're going to want to make sure that you mark benevolence, or if you still have, uh, if you still write paper checks, that's totally cool. Uh, just in the memo line, write benevolence or write uh, Green Lake Scholarship or, or something that, uh, that says that it's designated to what you're saying. So
0: sorry, mini rant. Over. Another registration coming up soon. It Quest, is? yes, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And Quest is uh, Quest is coming fast, and I'm super excited about it because again, this this time, this this window where we get everything going. Quest is for our our littles, so first to uh, first to sixth grade. That's where our our kids are able to stay here on our grounds and hear that gospel message. And we've got all kinds of plans coming in for that. So be looking for that registration because it's right it around. It actually the corner.
0: starts uh, Saturday, this Saturday, which right? happens yeah. to be. April 15th. We wanted to give you a reason for cheer, <laughs> yeah. April 15th. So Quest, sign up. And then there's a grandparenting ministry that's getting going here too. This Tuesday, yeah.
1: Starting this Tuesday and then every, uh, every other Tuesday for the, next, uh, for the next two months, we are going to have a, a grandparenting, grandparenting ministry, which is just something that's super cool. Yeah. I know that in my life, you know, my grandparents have had a, a super significant impact, not just on, um, on you know, enjoyment, just hanging out, but also my spiritual life, you know, I I still have, in my truck right now, I have a a Bible that was my grandma's, and she's got it all marked up, and so the the impact that you can have as a grandparent in the life of your grandkid is not just, here, have some sugar so you love me. No, (laughs) you can have a spiritual impact, and that's what that that group is going to be all about, um, which is super cool. So if you are a grandparent or a soon-to-be grandparent um, or a recent grandparent, um, (laughs) (laughs) then you can can get signed up for that, and again, it meets every other Tuesday uh, for the next two months.
0: Obviously, you came to church this morning knowing that we were going to talk about Jesus, knowing we were going to talk about salvation, knowing that we were going to talk about where you are in your walk with God. And it's possible that you walked in today and you're, you're like, that was all great. I am just not ready. I am not ready. I'd hate for you to walk out today. I'd hate for you to walk out today and say, I'll think about it next year. You don't know that you have next year. You don't know that you have next week. You don't know that you have the rest of the day. Questions of eternal significance are really important every Sunday at the end of the service there's a person standing up here by the table that's willing to pray with you talk with you beyond that you may be the kind of person that just needs to do more thinking reading and have a couple things for you today if that's you uh, you can go to the info hub today and we have two things for you one is a a really thin booklet called the story just lays out again what forgiveness looks like through jesus and and the whole story from the beginning of creation you can see it's pretty thin but it tells the whole story and how you can have a relationship with god a little thicker but a fantastic book that we'd like to give you too is called how how good is good enough by andy stanley i think this is an ultimate question right how good do i have to be in order to have a relationship with god how good is good enough he answers that beautifully Uh, if you're wanting to work through with your kids understanding the significance of the story of easter besides peeps and chocolate um the the people who did the story wrote a little booklet called the story maker and i i'd encourage you to do one of two things get one and read it with your kids or get one and read it so that when those spiritual questions come up you don't have to say i have pastor dennis on speed dial i'll I'll call him for you Or, or brian will come over and explain it no you can walk your child through and be the one ultimately to bring them into the kingdom of god then beyond that we always give away bibles so as you're walking out the door to the right hand side actually have two different versions there this one's called new living translation i call this the american english bible it talks the way we talk and the other one is called the English Standard Version. And that one's a it's a it's a little harder to read, but it's more literal. It gives you literally what's going on in the Word of God. And if you're wondering, it's like, you know, a lot of people own Bibles, so what? They're there to be read. And I'd encourage you to start with with the Gospels. Start with Matthew and Mark and Luke and John if if you if you give me a second here, you're gonna be going to you're going, going to <laughs> page 772. So I'll tell you what, if you remember 777, you'll be close enough. <laughs> and just just start reading in Matthew. Read Matthew. Read Mark. Read the stories of Jesus, Luke and John. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. Let's stand together. Father God, thank you. Thank you for the reality of Easter. Thank you that we can sing both of a beautiful silent night when our Savior was born, as well as the day of triumph, when after his brutal crucifixion, he rose again. Let us not go through life believing somehow that we can pay for our own sins, or go through life believing that our sins aren't that big a deal. Give us the humility of a child to come and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We want your forgiveness. And the fresh start that only be realized through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy your Easter. We'll see you.